I'm Liz Holiday, and I'm here with the Lakeland Gov podcast. And today we have Julie Townsend, the executive De- director of the Lakeland Downtown Development Authority, with us as our guest. So, welcome, Julie. Thank you. Hello. I am glad that you could come in today. Me as well. So, we've done two other downtown podcasts and you have been our host and this time we we wanted you we wanted to hear from you as the guest um, about downtown and about what you are doing and i wanted to ask you a few questions sure so julie how did you get here how did you get (laughs) to the lakeland downtown development (laughs) authority how far back would you let me know so i moved to lakeland in 99 and I, uh, how I got involved in downtown was I worked at the Ledger as the Ledger advertising rep for the downtown territory. And so I got to know the businesses first. Uh, there was an organization called the Downtown Lakeland Partnership that is kind of like a little mini merchants, you know, merchants association type chamber just for the downtown area. And I joined that organization on their events committee, and then ultimately their board. And then one thing led to another, and I became the executive director of that organization, leaving the ledger. Did that for about five or six years. Uh, left that organization, which is a whole different, whole another story. And then took a few years off from downtown, and then came back in 2014. Uh, 2013 actually as a CRA LDDA board member and then executive director of the LDDA in April of 2014. Okay. okay. <laughs> so are you originally from Lakeland? No, I'm originally from New Orleans and uh, my husband is from Palatka, Florida. So we lived in Palatka for several years before moving to Lakeland. He was a reporter at the time and got a job with the Ledger. So that's what brought us here. The Ledger brought us here. Oh, okay. And then you got the job with the Ledger after. And then I did, yes. Then we both, he was on the news floor. I was on the advertising floor. Okay. We were not supposed to mingle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. So now that you're here at the LDDA, I, I would love for you to tell me, what is the LDDA? <laughs> because in my research, and I was looking online, and I've worked at the city for a few years now, and I realized before you came in that I just, I don't really, I couldn't, I couldn't personally describe it to somebody else. So could you tell everybody what the LDDA <laughs> is and what it does? Well, it has evolved over time. So currently, I would say, uh, you know, our mission statement is to enhance economic activity in a people-oriented downtown. You know, that's a pretty broad mission statement, uh, but that is the mission statement. Uh, I would say today, the LDDA, our, our main goal is advocacy for the downtown businesses and property owners, uh, management in the sense that, you know, more of a herding cats kind of management than the authority, you know, invest, invested in us by some sort of city governmental um, entity. Uh, and then also just maintenance in terms of uh, being the eyes and the ears on the street about what kinds of things are needed for downtown. We are sort of the, the, the boots on the ground every day dealing with the businesses and the residents who are visiting and trying to 
understand what their needs are on a day-to-day basis in terms of what downtown has to offer. Not necessarily, you know, what businesses are here to provide them services and products, but the how does how does it function in terms of parking and you know walkability and and those types of things so advocacy as i said i think and 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 advocacy morphs into marketing we do a lot of marketing of downtown uh events we do the first friday events Mm -hmm. we do the farmers market events we do uh you know holiday events girls night out date night type events all of those are done to attract people to downtown that either uh, wouldn't normally come or just make it more fun for the for the people who do who do frequent it. Okay, so what are the parameters of downtown of your jurisdiction? So the LDDA was originally created back in seventy seven. And, you know, over the course, I think it took about two years for it to, you know, get the bylaws and the board structure and the boundaries and all that. So we do have boundaries and how we're funded is we're a taxing authority. And so what a taxing authority does is it levies property taxes on the properties within its district. That's above and beyond what you normally pay the city and the county and school board and swift mud and all of that so it's actually additional tax dollars more so than anybody else in the city pays so there obviously has to be boundaries for that for the property appraiser to assess those and so our boundaries are roughly you know lake morton to the george jenkins bypass uh lake wire to the east side of lake mirror that's roughly the boundaries of the ldda okay so if there's if there were someone who were going to start a business downtown, say, and I know they would come through the city to kind of do permits and stuff like that, what would they what would their what would they need to do with the LDDA? Or would they reach out to you or would you reach out to them? Both. It depends on where their point of entry is. Our job is to try to facilitate their ability to find a space and help them through any regulatory processes through City Hall as best as best we can with the knowledge that we have of who they need to speak to and maybe the order of operations. And so there's no requirement that they come to me first. I'm not in, in some sort of list of, of check, checked boxes that they must check. But I can tell you that when we do get involved, we are helpful and we can certainly ease ease that business owner in into the the process of, of going through city hall not that you know it's um difficult as much as it is not they're ne- not necessarily their wheelhouse so they don't understand the order of operations right so yeah so if somebody came and they wanted to start a business i could definitely see how it would be a benefit to have someone like you guys kind of as a guide almost. Yeah, and the other, you know, if someone walks in and says, hey, I'd love to open a business downtown, what can you tell me about empty spaces or available spaces? You know, I'm not a broker. I don't work for a brokerage where I'm getting any kind of commission. So I can be, uh, I can ask them a lot of questions. You know, what what is your budget? What kind of products do you have? Do you have a built-in customer base already? Are you gonna rely on the walk 
the walking traffic, the passing traffic on the street. So I asked them a series of questions to try to figure out, you know, what their needs are in terms of space. And then I can direct them to parcels that I think would best fit their business and help them be successful. Because, you know, I think most people want to be in the foot, first Friday footprint or the farmer's market footprint. And if you're a retailer, you really are, it's a much bigger challenge to try to open a retail store out of that footprint mm -hmm. because you don't get the foot traffic from those events and those events also happen to happen in where the normal everyday foot traffic also happens because it's the high retail high restaurant corridor so you know just like at a mall you don't want to be the the lonely little retailer down a corridor where all the stores around it are empty you want to be near the food court <laughs> you want to yes. be in the hustle bustle and downtowns are no different so we definitely um, struggle sometimes with placing people who come to us because we don't have enough of those types of spaces really I mean I've turned I've turned retail away in the sense of they couldn't find a spot that that was suitable for them or that 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 they wanted to be in um, because it was just not available in that corridor mm -hmm. and the other challenge is is that you know we um, we don't own those properties so we can't tell those property owners what they should be charging in lease rates and what their tenant build-out budgets should be and any of those things. We can we can try we build relationships and try to match make and say, hey, let's let's get this done. But ultimately, we don't have any power to make them do anything. Okay. Well, I think that's great to know, especially for business owners that you guys can can really help help them along though. So how about everyday citizens, residents, or visitors to downtown? How might they interact with you? Well, we our office sort of uh, doubles as a little mini visitor center. We have a display in the front of our office that has brochures from a lot of the downtown businesses and even like Visit Central Florida information and a downtown visitor guide downtown businesses can bring you know menus or brochures or coupon cards and we will put those uh, in our in our racks and stands so people because our storefront's transparent and we have these big glass doors people notice that and they walk in we have an a-frame sign that's always talking about the upcoming events and we have a brochure stand outside so our we welcome our storefront welcomes the community in. We give that impression that this is not an office, a stuffy office you can't walk into. It's an actual interaction. We want the public to interact with it. So we get walk-in, you know, practically every day we get folks walking in and they're asking about, um, you know, residential. They, they're visiting Lakeland. They've never been here before. It's, oh, it's so beautiful and quaint and they love the parks and the lakes. And so we get a lot of questions about uh, you know, where's where play, close places to live, and so we're able to give information about downtown living, but also like the Lake Morton neighborhood area um, and things like that. So we we try to have as much knowledge as we can about all things downtown at all times, because we never know what kind of questions we're going to get. Uh, people ask us about events that happen in downtown that are not our events, but we need to have the knowledge about those events so that we can give that correct information. Parking, of course, is a hot topic. Uh, so people will walk in and ask us about, 
you know, what what the rules are and we'll hand in brochures and information about the Park Mobile app. And so we're interacting with the public quite a bit. And uh, and that was by design. We Our office used to be in City Hall. I think it was here for 30 years uh, prior to, um, well, I started in 2014 and we moved out of City Hall in 2016. Okay. Down to Kentucky. Down to Kentucky. <laughs> yes. What speaking of parking, I know we talked about parking on one of the other <laughs> podcasts at at length. Yeah. But <laughs> since that podcast, uh, could you give any sort of update as to yeah. maybe what what's going on with parking or how valet is doing? Yeah, we definitely had changes since the last podcast. We um, and I say we because I work with the parking guys and the traffic operation guys pretty closely we we have meetings uh, at least once a month if not more often than that and sometimes they're just spontaneous on the sidewalk because I'm reacting to a customer and you know translating that information over to the parking services folks so we, parking is is probably the number one downtown issue because it affects everyone it affects the visitors it affects the residents it affects uh, the employees, it affects the property owners. So it touches everybody and it's a hot topic, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, and the, the challenge for, for me is that, um, again, all I can do is advocate and, and try to educate both the customers and the city folks who may not always uh, understand how all the policies that the city implements uh, affect the user on the ground. So we have a very uh, interactive relationship. And one of the positives to come out of that, many, many positives come out of that, but one of the most recent positives to come out of that is the changing of the pay station machines. Yes. And when I started in 2014, those same machines that we just replaced were, were there and had been there for a while and they were just awful. They were not intuitive, they were not user-friendly, they were difficult, the screens were difficult to read, and you know, it's easy for me to say, just change the machines. You know, there's dollars, real dollars that, that are affected there, and, mm-hmm. and so it took a while, and you know, I would, I would say it took five years of complaining to finally <laughs> get those machines changed out, and, and, um, and they just got changed. And they last just week. got changed out uh, in the beginning of September, uh, second mm-hmm. week of September, I believe. So thrilled that those and we, you know, I went over to different municipalities with parking staff and we tried those different different machines, uh, different types of machines that were in St. Pete and Clearwater, um, St. Uh, Sarasota and to see how you know how does the public interact with them we use them but we also talk to the actual users that were on the street that were using them and you know what did they think was it intuitive and and so we got really good information and we're able to make a really good decision about which ones that we should use here in downtown and i think it was all of that hard work really paid off because now the machines are the screens are color and they're much easier to see. Uh, it's it's super easy to use. You don't have to. What was very frustrating about the previous machines was you had to every for every fifteen minute increments of time you had to press A. So to get a number you had to press a letter. Okay. And I just you know I tease the traffic operations manager 
Angela Rao because he's from Canada and the machines were also Canadian. So that was, <laughs> we may, I'm often made fun of him about the Canadian uh, unintuitive <laughs> machines. Um, so yeah, they were, they were frustrating. And over time, you know, it's just old technology, the, the dollar bill machine part of it didn't work to accept dollars. So you couldn't use dollar bills on some of the machines. And it, it just, you know, we, they, they ran them into the ground. They got the full use out of them. But now we've got shiny new machines. They take dollars, they take coins, they take credit cards. They, um, you punch in numbers for numbers. And what is a big change is that now everything is pay by plate. Yes. And that's what you'll find when you go to other big cities. So we're just catching up to that kind of technology. This whole sort of pay by space is so, you know, mid 2000s. It's just, you know, it's the old way of doing things. So now you pay by your license plate. So we've made little cards. The LDDA created a little, I created these little cards and the LDDA paid for them. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> that are, you can pick them up at any of the machines. They have a little card holder. Okay. And it gives you a place to write your tag number and explains to you how to use Park Mobile if you prefer to use Park Mobile because we're really trying to promote promote Park Mobile as, as a way to pay versus the pay machines, but also what the rules are for all of the lots and even how to park on street and what the rules are. So this little business card, you can slip it in your wallet. You'll always have the rules with you. You'll have your tag number written down. Um, and it's just, you know, a way to try to ease you know, ease people into this different way of, of paying for parking. But so far, I have heard no complaints. I think the old machines were so bad, people were just thrilled <laughs> to have anything that wasn't wasn't them. Yes, and when the day that they went up, I went out and took some photos of them for um, our social media, and I saw the little cards, and I was like, where did these come from? Because I thought they would come from, actually, our office, but <laughs> no, <laughs> they did not. I actually grabbed not. a couple of yeah. them to to have and and using the park mobile app for anybody who doesn't know about the app it's um on the app store or on um on google play and it's just amazing it just you can add time to your parking and it's super easy and i've used it a few times and it's just it's just great i'd actually rather do that than even worry about the new machines which are really nice like i'd rather just do park mobile yeah because you can do it as you're walking away mm -hmm. and you know for those folks who don't want to download another app on their phone and you know don't want to have to mess with that it's you can do it through a phone call as well so there's a phone number you call the phone number as you're walking away and it prompts you uh you know through the through your keypad on your phone to how, how much time do you want, you know, which tag, and actually it, it knows your tag number already. Uh, you can, if you wanna, I think you can save up to five tag numbers in your, in your account. So if the car you're driving today isn't the one that is your primary car, it'll just say, if this isn't your car tag number today, then press two and it'll give you another tag number. So all of that as you're walking to your destination rather than maybe waiting in line to pay at the machine or Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, messing with your app while you're walking. Uh, so there's just so many ways to do it, but it, it is, it is effort on, on the part of the, of the customer that they have to understand. You have to participate in, in wanting to come to downtown and being a customer of downtown. It's not a, it's not a passive experience. It's, it's, you're, you're a participant and just like any other worthy place to go, you know, you've got to you got to jump through a hoop or two 
to, to get to that place that you really want to go. Um, downtowns just all, all over the country don't have giant parking lots in front of the buildings where you want to go. So yes, I lived in New York and there is yeah. <laughs> there no probably, parking. Yes, you laugh at us about our parking problems if you've been yeah, if you lived in. As New far York. as I'm concerned, there's never parking problems no, here. But no. <laughs> it's all about perspective. Yes. <laughs> so we were talking about a co- you've mentioned a couple of the events that you the LDDA puts on over the year. There's First Fridays and there's also the Makers Market. Is that correct? Yes. So the first Friday was actually, I started first Fridays as a board member of the Downtown Lakeland Partnership along with two other board members. And we did not start it as DLP. We started it as individuals and brought it to the Downtown Lakeland Partnership about six months into the event happening and said, would you now support it? You know, would you put some funds towards it? And so that was back in 2004. We're actually 15 years in this is our 15th year of having first friday and so first friday started in in 2014 morphed over time the whole point of first friday was to just get people downtown 15 years ago we didn't have these amazing number of restaurants that we have now and um you know i think we had antiquarian and the terrace and harry's and that might have been the only places that were open at night. Oh wow! And every other every other restaurant was a lunch only, office worker serving type place. Okay. So we really were like, we've got to get folks down in the evenings, and if we can only do it one night a month, then that's a start. So let's get that started. So the retail stores uh, would all chip in. We'd walk around basically with a hat in hand and collect any cash we could get. You know, will you help us pay for a musician to stand on this corner and play guitar, you know? And um, and and it, it took some time, but we were committed. We asked the retailers to be committed, that it was going to take time. And, you know, it, as it, it started off, streets weren't closed. It was just music on the sidewalks and stores and restaurants open late. And then Lakeside Village got built. <laughs> yes. And we were like, hmm, we got a little more competition. We're going to have to step it up a notch. So I think the very first themed first Friday ever was our dog days of summer. We called it dog days of okay. summer. And it was in it was in August, actually, back then. And I think that's what kind of opened the door. And that's uh, when everyone brings their dogs. And yes. Everyone, people are giving out yeah. dog treats. Yes. And, and so we closed the streets because we had to invite, you know, dog type companies and businesses and, uh, you know, had, a, you know, the, the, the folks that do dog training and dog agility. And it was super popular. People came out. Everyone loves to come out, come out and socialize with their dogs. So it was a big hit. And we started theming them because just saying first Friday shops open late, restaurants open late gets gets stale after a little mm-hmm. while you gotta you gotta give them a hook you gotta give them a teaser so we started theming them and we started closing the streets and then we got a lot of interest from businesses who weren't in downtown like hey i want to be a part of that how do i be a part of that well we had to figure out a way to collect some money from them so it became this whole you know okay now we have these associate members of the downtown lakeland partnership so you're a member and if you're a member then you get to come to first friday and so you know sp- Fast forward to 2000, where are we? 2019, uh, 2018 rather, we um, 
the the downtown Lakeland partnership ran into some difficulties and they decided as a board that they would dissolve the organization and the the board members came to us and said we got to keep this event going and you guys are the, the next you're they're the cousin <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. you're the cousin that needs to take over this this baby so that's what we did and made some changes so that it would be self-sustaining uh, one of the promises that I made the board of the, the LDDA board was that it would not cost the LDDA money we did not need we don't have a big enough budget to take on you know something that's going to cost thirty forty thousand dollars a year of tax of the tax dollars so I promised them I'm gonna make it totally financially self-sufficient it may take a year or two but you know I'm gonna do it well it was the changes that we implemented uh, really struck a chord with the community and it has it's been financially self-sufficient since uh, the end of our first full year of running the the event which was uh, we took over in March of 18 so by March of 19 it pays for itself so we use zero LDDA tax dollars to support that event. Oh, that's great. So was it you guys who added the makers part of it? Yes. Okay. And that was um, one of the one of the challenges with First Friday was it's a big footprint. <laughs> yes. And there's always perceived good places to have your business and not so good places to have your business. And you know, everybody's again, perception is reality and everybody's perspective is different. So, you know, I was like, look, if everybody perceives that this block is the best block to be in, then that one should cost more. (laughs) That only makes sense. Think about a stadium seating or a concert, you know, Mm -hmm. the better seats cost more than the nosebleed section. So um, one of the challenges is, is that we have a huge concentration of restaurants south of the railroad tracks. So restaurants attract people because everybody eats. Yes. Every, the north of the railroad track is primarily where our retail stores are. Retail stores are typically on a regular, regular daily basis. They're closed by 6 p.m. So the vast majority of First Friday folks aren't as familiar with the retail, so they don't necessarily, you know, wander up that way on their own. You got to put things in the street to, again, that hook. What's, mm-hmm. If they see stuff, activity going on up there, oh, well, let's go up there and see what's happening up there. Well, the um, the draw of of the fee- of the folks in the street wasn't really it, the the combination of the businesses that were being put up there. They the businesses that were up there felt, oh, you're you know you're getting me out of the hustle and bustle of everything going on south of the railroad tracks. So they weren't happy. The retailers weren't happy. So you know, I just sat everybody down and said, what is the goal? What is our goal here? So we figured out what the goals were, and. What the retailers really wanted was a shopping experience north of the railroad tracks because a lot of the businesses, not a, not a lot, but all of the businesses south of the railroad tracks are not allowed to sell. It's, it's, a, it's a giant vendor fair is what it is. It's a trade show, if you will. You know, you have real estate folks, you've got insurance companies, you've got painters and plumbers and car dealerships and they're not selling they're, so the, so they're giving away they're giving away little promotional items they're pens. having they're doing little like little games and gimmicks to get people to come over to their booth and it's a it's a giant trade show and that's worked for a long long time that's you know it's not broke not going to fix that so we did have a need for um the 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 folks who were on the that were being placed on north of the railroad tracks 
really felt like they weren't they weren't in the hustle bustle of the event so we decided north of the railroad tracks let's just change the dynamics completely let's make that everything on the north side is local and retail and shopping and you know makers and folks who are who are doing their own thing and let them sell so we had a base already from the farmers market and uh, we reached out to some of the art organizations in town and gave free space to the makers uh, and we said look we're not going to charge anything you got to set up your own tables and tents and booths we don't have any of that stuff for you but if you want to come down set up you can sell sell your products you can sell your you know your handmade woodworking or your art uh, or you know your your jewelry or whatever it is that you make so that first year we gave away the spaces for free but of course exactly the same thing happened as did the the vendors or the exhibitors from before the further north you went the less appealing those spaces were so right. I got oh I want to be closer to the railroad tracks so we said well again gotta monetize it because there's no other really fair way to do it if if everything was free then you don't value it as much and then it's not fair well yours is free and you're by the railroad tracks and mine is free and it's three blocks away from the railroad tracks that's not fair so we monetize that as well it's super okay. cheap but um, it's but it's still the closer you are to the railroad tracks the more you pay and then that and we even have a free section um, so that we have a, a, a really a place for everybody that's really cool so and all of that information is on the LDDA website right yes 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 if you want to be a maker at the makers market there's a online application okay. really registration form there's an uh, online application for first Friday we try to do as much paperless as we possibly can but and also provide a lot of that detail because we can't we don't have the staff time um, to be able to answer those questions on the we get we get dozens and dozens of applications okay. every month so which is great but it's hard to have a conversation to explain the process and the rules to those folks so we put it online okay so what are some events that are that you're excited about coming up so we um, we have the farmers market every Saturday so that just to, to plug that it's also in its 15th year the LDDA started that event and uh, we've been very successful with also making sure that that is financially self-sufficient so uh, it was it was almost there when I began in 2014 uh, but it, it still was relying on on some LDDA dollars so again I'm a policy and procedure kind of gal I love policies and procedures I love making them it's just one of the things that I love to do so where it lacked clear and defined policies and procedures uh, I was able to implement those and it really streamlined a lot of the reasons why I think it was not financially independent yet was um, it just didn't have a good way of capturing all the interest uh, a lot of the applications or a lot of the inquiries about can I come to the market would fall through the cracks because there wasn't a really good intake system mm -hmm. so that was the first thing I built and that really sort of changed the dynamic because no one would fall through the cracks. Everyone got an answer. Not everyone came because not everyone was eligible to come, 
but everyone got an answer. And uh, so we were able to really capture every vendor that should have been there. We were able to capture them. So I've always wondered this, because <laughs> I've noticed at the farmer's market, which I love, and I haven't been back to since it closed for the summer. Mm. My goal is to get back every yes. Saturday, get my fresh fruits and vegetables. So maybe this Saturday I can get back. <laughs> but I've noticed a lot of the vendors might have their own. I feel like they're in the same spot every time. Now, is that they have assigned spots or is that like? Yes. How does that work? So you can be a full-time vendor at the farmer's market. You can be a part-time vendor and you can, or you can be a seasonal vendor. We've created three different categories. And so one of the benefits of signing up for full-time is um, and by being a full-time vendor, you commit to a fi- you have a financial commitment of 11 months of, of payments to the market. So um, we don't quote rent space per se. It's not you're, you're renting a booth. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment to supporting the market financially uh, on a monthly basis at a certain rate to participate. So if they're absent for two weeks, you know, you don't get it. There's no credit for that. You're, you're committed to that, that monthly rate regardless. So the full-time vendors get some perks along with that. They get their assigned same spots every single time. And if they, uh, we, and we do allow market vendors that are full-time to take a break. Uh, we call it the inactive rate. So they pay a little less if they decided that they needed to take a month off for some reason. Uh, but their space is still theirs when they come back. And we may rent that space out to a part-timer while they're gone, but it's their designated spot. And that really is helpful, just like when you go to the grocery store. If you walk into Publix, you really don't want them to shuffle the shelves every time. (laughs) That would be be a drag. I don't even like going to a different Publix sometimes because it's in the wrong spot. I know. I I love – I either go to Southgate or Grove Park. And obviously, Grove Park was under construction for a long, long time. So when I went back to Grove Park, I was so confused <laughs> because yes. I was used to Southgate, but I was also used to the old Grove Park. So it was just like, ah! So we, you know, those vendors want their customers to be able to find them. And you, just like anything else, you, our market comfort, there's a, our, our market customers, there are a lot of repeat market customers, obviously. And they know where their favorite vendors are and they want to go right to them they don't want to go hunting for mm-hmm. them and oh are they here are they are they here today are they not here i have to walk the entirety of the you know four blocks of the market to find that out so we have an, a, a weekly e-newsletter that we send out that promotes you know whatever the market vendors send to us that particular week they have any specials um, we do a produce picks of the week and so our produce vendors get extra love to say what is your what is the special thing that you're bringing this week because produce changes depending on especially the growers what they're growing in that particular part of the mm-hmm. year or even the, the the few resellers that we have what's available you know to them at the wholesale markets so those things change so we try to keep the customers up to date with new vendors and you know, whatever products might be new that week for the produce folks. And, uh, but yeah, the, the seasonal, it's seasonal get the same treatment, but just for a shorter period of time. And then our part-timers, uh, which we have many, many, they're the ones that just call up that week and say, you know, I'm coming this week. And okay. so then we find them a spot based on some of the areas that we've kept available specifically for part-timers, or if we know that there's a full-timer out, 
we can put them in their space. So that's why you see sometimes people pop up and and then they're only there for a week and then they're gone for three weeks and then they're back okay. in a different spot. Okay. That makes that makes more sense. And I just really hope I, I hope I can get back to it because I miss <laughs> I miss going down there. Back to first Fridays, I the f- I think it was the first time that we went maybe after you guys had taken over mm-hmm. and the maker's market was there and I was with my kids and my husband and we were all so excited because it was really cool to see all the all the artists and things for sale and so we loved that but we parked in that lot I think it's it's north of Bay or Pine mm-hmm. and um, we walked down from that direction which is normally we park we find a spot somewhere closer to downtown south of the rail tracks railroad tracks so we parked there and we're walking down down Kentucky and there was this band you probably know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about a huge band of people like playing I don't know, playing their music, but yeah. I don't know. There must have been about 40, 50 people there playing. It seemed like a lot. It was It's probably more like 15 or 20, but oh. yes, it probably well, seemed, it like seemed a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed huge, and we were, we were like, this is amazing, and my kids were so excited. I don't remember what song they were playing, but it was really happy. And yeah. So having them, they were down really far at the end, though, but just having them made us excited to run up and see what was happening and then keep going and... Exactly, and the, you have to have hooks and draws to get people's attention. And so we—they're called the Third Rail Band. Okay. And they're—they—they they come out and and do it for free, and we just—and they love doing it, and they have a little bit of a following themselves. So they've got folks that set up chairs and just listen to them all night. Yes, I saw people in chairs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so yeah, we love we love them, and the fact that they're loud and they play you know fun things that really can you know grab the attention of someone two blocks south and say hey what's going on up there. So, um, yeah, we've, we, the Maker's Market was, was a really successful part of First Friday. We would have struggled to um, get enough exhibitors to fill all the way up to Oak Street because the, the footprint of the event is from Lemon Street all the way to Oak Street on Kentucky. Okay. And then also a portion of Maine between Kentucky and Tennessee. And now that we've had so many restaurants open and we have Gaines Jewelers that is staying open in the evenings because of a change of ownership. We have businesses on Tennessee as well. So we've now we're utilizing Tennessee. And so we've got the car show over on Tennessee, our classy car show Mm -hmm. that's been with us since almost day one. We've had the car show as a component of the event. And so, you know, sitting down with the merchants and listening to what their needs were and I think it was, I feel certain it was an idea of one of the merchants to do the, you know, invite people to sell stuff, you know, but make it, make them artisans, make them the crafters in our community, not, you know, the, the home-based businesses necessarily, you know, Avon, Mary Kay or whatever, not that type of stuff. Although we do allow that in our free area, way, way on the north side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it really works well because you've got the retail stores that are locally owned and sell you know, more unique type gift items, not the mass produced stuff. And then you've got the people who are making their own things in the street. And it's a really just good symbiotic relationship between those two. That's great. No, I'm really excited about, I'm really excited about it and all the stuff you guys are doing. Now, how about events like Girls Night Out or couples events, anything like that coming up in the next few months? 
but we do two date nights a year, two girls nights a year, and those are primarily shopping events. We don't close the streets, we don't invite vendors to set up. It's really, it's almost what First Friday used to be. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's, it's going back to what the the core mission of First Friday was, which was to get people to come downtown in the evening and shop and eat. And First Friday has kind of turned into a different type of event. People do obviously eat. It's probably one of the best nights of the month, if not the best night of the month for the restaurants. Uh, the shops stay open and, and, and have sales, obviously. And that's, I call that gravy because they're normally closed. So this is these are sales that wouldn't have occurred because they normally would have been closed. So that's what we tried to recreate was that feel of you know, yes, First Friday is, you know, has themes and, you know, it's gimmicky and it gets you down and we close the streets and everybody's walking around in the streets. But we want people to fall in love with downtown for what it is. And so the girls nights and the date nights, we don't close the streets, just come down, park. This, the retail stores are encouraged to have specials, you know, to so that you have some reasons to, to shop and get some good deals. The, the, re, the restaurants, you know, do you have a happy hour? We'll help you promote that. But it's really just kind of getting back to come downtown and experience the heart of your city in its, you know, natural form and enjoy it and, you know, come back. So the girls' nights were the first, but then we are like, oh, what about the guys? You know, guys don't tend to typically drive retail sales in downtown. It's mostly women. But, you know, we didn't want to not include them. They drink beer. I, I gather so <laughs> so we had so we have date night and we have girls night so that instead of having four girls nights we kind of mixed it up a little bit and we do have obviously some businesses that cater to men I would say Jesse Carl Vinyl you know her clientele is mostly men it's all you know old uh, records and things and of course Nathan's men's store and uh, we have a couple of retail stores that have both men and women's clothing so you know to be fair and balanced we we wanted to have a date night and a girls night Oh, that's great. Well, and I'm sure if you happen to be downtown and you were a man and it was girls' night out, you're not going to get kicked out for going into a no, business. We do not so. kick out the boys on girls' night. We do not. We there do just not. might be more women out then right. than a typical night, and you might right. not know why. Right. <laughs> How about one of the biggest things that, that I know that we hear about on our social media pages is Mun Park. Yes. And we definitely heard about it a lot in the last year or two. <laughs> yes. But now that everyone's trying to figure out what do we do with this space now that the statue's gone, now that the, mon the monument's gone, I would love for you to tell me about some of the work you guys have done to kind of get ideas flowing and kind of what you're what you're doing to maybe move, move this along and uh, get Mun Park's next chapter going. Well, you know, we... We came up with the idea of the carousel, and I really thought, you know, wow, who could hate a carousel? Well, apparently a lot of people. A lot of people can. A yes. lot of people I've can, heard about, a lot of people about can hate a carousel. It, hurt, it hurts my heart. Um, but, you know, that's just, that's the way it is. And it it's, it's, makes perfect sense that it not go in the center. You know, it, it, it is already in a circle. It's kind of like, hey, plop one in, you're, you know, good to go. But, you know, the logistics of that and, and, you know, the ability to keep it secure when it's not in operation, it, there was a lot of challenges with that. Um, 
we knew those challenges existed, but you don't necessarily, you know, start with an idea, keep it under wraps, do all that work on the back end, and then present it with all of the, you know, final documents and answers and everything only to get shot down. So we put the idea out there, had some good arguments, um, shared that we had, we, we knew what the challenges were and we were, we had answers to them, but, um, so yeah, if the, if the community is leaning away, uh, you know, from Carousel, that's totally fine. The challenge, one of the challenges of Munn Park in general, though, is that I don't think anybody comes downtown with the idea of my main goal is to visit Munn Park. Right. And it's always a secondary activity. It's I had dinner at Harry's and let's take a stroll through Munn Park or, you know, we had dinner at Fresco's and now we're going to walk through Munn Park. So I really felt like here's an opportunity for us to make Munn Park a destination. Uh, let's go to Munn Park because it's a beautiful place. It has these activities. If there are activities, you know, to be had and it could drive people on its own uh, to some degree. Yeah. Because my, my, my desk faces Munn Park. I stare at Munn Park all day although I in between working <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I see the lack of activity in Munn Park and and it's a challenge because when you have events it's like oh it's so great that it's flat and open and there's no you know obstacles to get in the way but the reality is is that events are a very small part of Munn Park's life cycle and to leave it so blank the majority of its life so that it's ready and able to hold an event, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And I think that's the community conversation is mm -hmm. that, you know, the carousel could still happen in some other area downtown or even adjacent to Munn Park if that was the will of the community. And that would take, uh, you know, private dollars, not just, you know, we can't ask the city commission to, to fund that because it would never pay for itself over time. Um, so it would have to be sort of a a philanthropic project and philanthropic dollars are you know thinner and thinner by the day and there's lots of competition for those with great projects like bonnet springs which we're thrilled about so certainly don't want to you know mess with that yes. <laughs> so you know we certainly put that on the on the side burner and say okay well then what are the other ideas for the center so did you host a couple of events where you got public input? We did. We had we just had one uh, because we had it late April, and it was shortly after we kind of went to the city commission and said, "Would you kind Would you let us lead the discussion? We'd like to We'd like to lead the discussion for you because we they didn't want to talk about it. Understandably, they wanted to take a break from that topic and focus on other things, uh, and so we did a, a, a public forum in Mun Park in April. And then summer, you know, it just got really hot and we just kind of took a break from that. We're going to probably do some more uh, opportunities and opportunities for input in the fall. But in the reality is in, in this world today, you don't need to physically go to a space and give your opinion on a comment card. You've got social media. You've got my email address is mm -hmm. public, you know, public record. Uh, I will willingly and gleefully give out my cell phone number to anyone who wants it because I want to be available and transparent and uh, so I got a lot of feedback off outside of that meeting and you know the, there's 
the challenge is that there's a lot of um, rep repetition in the suggestions. You know, a so, lot of so people. So what are some of those? Suggestions? So a lot of people suggested a fountain, and we already have a fountain in my park. So you know, not to say that you can't have two. So I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm going to sort of sound like I'm a negative Nelly on some of these ideas, but I'm not trying to be negative as much as explain how how they fit into the context of downtown. So we already have a fountain. Putting another fountain is perfectly fine, but it doesn't do anything to attract people to Munn Park. And again, if, if, if the goal, the, the thing that we haven't really gotten to yet with the community is what do we want Munn Park to be? If it's, do we want it to be an event space that's mostly vacant and just an empty canvas for events? If that's what the community wants, we just need to make sure that that's communicated to the commission, that that's the will of the people. So step one is the 50,000 foot view of what do we really want Munn Park to be? And that's why we wanted to sort of like, well, now that we've got this sort of blank canvas, how do we reimagine how it fits into uh, the everyday life of Lakelanders and downtown? Mm -hmm. So a fountain is fine, except we already have one. And no one's going to be like, yay, I, gone, I wouldn't have gone downtown before because they only had one fountain, but now they have two. No, that's not going to change anyone's heart and mind about Munn Park. So, um, again, if that's your goal is to try to make it this own sort of a, a, attractive place to be. Uh, pieces of art, sculpture. Uh, we had a, a downtown property owner actually write a very uh, in-depth and detailed uh, sort of dissertation on a piece of uh, art that would be uh, made by multiple artists from the community as a collaborative piece and certainly we can put a piece of art we have a lot of art downtown again putting things into mm -hmm. context not to be a Debbie Downer but just to put it into context we have you know Lemon Street Promenade that's full of sculptures and outdoor art so how does Munn Park differentiate itself from that um, we've had garden you know make it make it into a botanical type garden or a maze garden and We've got Hollis Garden in downtown, so yes, we do. it's beautiful <laughs> and uh, much larger. And uh, so again, you know, are people going to come to the Munn Park Garden as an attraction, or are they going to go to Hollis Garden? So, you know, the other ideas, uh, gazebo was very big. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of the gazebo idea. Uh, I think that it would be more. Again, it's not going to get used unless there's an event, and at least by w w for its intended purpose, but it will be used. Yes. It will be used all day, every day, all night, every night as as a shelter mm -hmm. uh, and as a as a gathering place um, for you know uh, various and sundry types of folks. And 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 so we just will want to make sure that there's we've thought through all the unintended consequences of any of those ideas. And certainly the carousel has you know, challenges with it as well. Uh, but I just, um, the, the, the big ones have been fountain, garden, gazebo, art. Those have been, those have been the big ideas so far. And none of those are, are, and, and carousel, and, and none of those, including carousel, uh, are, are necessarily home runs. Well, at some point, I believe there was a huge fountain in the middle because I've, there was. I've gone through the old <laughs> photographs on the digital collections and yes. it looked really huge and that must have been 
they got rid of it for a reason, I assume. Well, they went back to, at some point, I guess in the 70s and 80s, maybe early 80s, they redesigned Munn Park uh, into sort of more, more of a geometric figured type uh, shape with a very large, very large fountain in the center. And when they hired uh, a consultant, Cy Pommier, I think in the 90s, he suggested going back to the more traditional uh, way that Munn Park looked when this, the town was created. And that's where you got, you know, sort of the, the crossed paths. And, and, um, and of course, the monument was there at that point because the monument was installed in the early 1900s. So it became part of the, you know, the design. And the fountain came, the second, the second fountain, which is the only fountain that we know of now, came later, uh, I believe it was put installed in the 90s, and that was through, uh, again, that was through brick donations, you know, buy a brick, help us, help us pay for the fountain. I think the fountain itself was okay. donated by one family, but the brick pavers that surround it and, and the brick pavers that uh, surround the central circle, you can see that there's families' names and people's names, and so that was a buy a, buy a brick program that helped uh, fund the restoration of Munn Park. Okay. Well, thank you for, for that, and we will definitely share any information if you guys do end up going back to Munn Park physically to get uh, get people's opinions, and I'm sure on social media um, we can sh share <laughs> share yes, any of love your posts. Media. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll get lots of opinions on social media as well. We will. I can just send will. them all your way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have a folder. <laughs> we've talked about events that you do. We've talked about parking. We've talked about Mun Park. Is there anything else, maybe some projects on the horizon that you're excited about or anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, I think, you know, kind of going back to the LDDA and how it has sort of morphed over time, um, I, I, when people ask me, you know, who I work for, I often leave the authority out of the name. I just say downtown Lakeland or I'll say Lakeland Downtown Development. and. Um, because the the DDA started off as the only it was a it was a an entity that was outside of city government and it became the CRA and the DDA it, it had two roles and then uh, the CRA and the DDA became two separate organizations and and so there's just sort of been this evolution of the organization over the years and where you know we have authority with air quotes, I'm doing some air quotes for those who can't see on this podcast, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we still have a role to play in guiding the direction of downtown and, and what we want to see in terms of um, the type of development that comes and, you know, how it fits into the, the blocks and, and the uh, infill development uh, opportunities and things like that but we really don't have you know the, the the authority that we have we're the design review organization for everything outside of the Munn Park District so you know the the authority part of it is has sort of shifted away from us but you know it's definitely advocacy and influence and 
and I think it's an important role to play because you want an outside organization who's who doesn't have the encumbrances of being city employees that can you know push and advocate and um, you know try to influence uh, those who do have power to do things that are in the best interest of all of the businesses in downtown. Sometimes you get focused on a project or um, a development and, you know, unless you're boots on the ground every day, you don't necessarily understand how that affects the neighbors and you know, yeah. the flow of all of downtown. So we try, you know, we're, we're, we're government, right? but we're outside of city government, we're downtown government. We're this little tiny enclave of government because we take taxes, therefore we're government. But we don't, um, we don't answer to the city commission. Uh, the LDDA board members are, are elected by the property owners in, uh, within the district of down, the LDDA downtown. And so we try to work alongside them to help and influence and advocate and um, and I think that's a an appropriate role for us to have and it I think it's a good relationship we don't we don't always you know hold hands and sing kumbaya but you know that's just the nature of government has things it has to get done and you know and we sometimes have different priorities right well and who who are your biggest partners I know you, you talked about the CRA and you were together, the LDDA was with the CRA and now they split, but you still work pretty closely with the CRA, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the CRA is very similar. It has obviously a much larger budget than we do because it has a, it has a, uh, a taxing um, component, It's but it, it's um, increment tax. It's not an additional tax. It's shifted from uh, no, dollars that would normally go to the city or the county are shifted into the CRA. So uh, they are really, you know, the infrastructure and, you know, it was created to, to relieve some slum and blight. And we, I would say, you know, have done an excellent job over the years, the organization has, uh, doing that in downtown. And so CRA in Midtown, CRA in Dixieland, it's, they have three districts within the CRA. It's not just downtown. And so we work very closely with them. They're a partner with us on the valet parking project. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about other types of incentives that we can partner, like second floor redevelopment, trying to get some of the second floors that are vacant right now to have an active use. So we work very closely together. And I, I really work very closely with almost all of the departments because, again, boots on the ground, you know, I've got a trash problem. I'm calling the head of solid waste. <laughs> I'm not mm -hmm. calling a commissioner or, you know, the city manager. I'm yes. calling the head of solid waste. So I, those are the partnerships are, you know, the folks who have to execute those, those things that make downtown function well and having a good relationship with them and them trusting that I'm giving them good information and that I'm trying to, you know, not, you know, be be a pain or be difficult and, and I'm just trying to solve problems I think they see me as a, a partner in problem solving downtown and big bellies you know the trash cans that was something that I came back from uh, I think it was Seattle and you know immediately showed the solid waste manager who is not our current solid waste manager but the previous one 
uh, and was like, this is, we need this in downtown, you know, the trash cans are just not working, we've moved beyond it, it's, and so those are the kinds of things that I help partner with and just trying to improve the conditions and the way things function, like, again, maintenance, management, those are uh, the less, you know, glamorous parts of the job, but they're absolutely critical, and so the downtown businesses call me if they have issues, uh, and I help get their issues met through, you know, that customer service loop through the city. You know, if they have a, they have a problem, they don't want to have to try to figure out who do I call at the city, and then who do I have to follow up with, and then if they, if they don't get to me, then who do I call to complain, or, you know, whatever the case may be, they call me, and they know I'm going to get them an answer. It's going to get solved, or, the, or they're going to get an answer of why it can't be solved, um, you know, a detailed answer why it can't be solved. So uh, I think that's a big help for the downtown businesses, a service that we provide to them. Well, I feel like I understand a lot more <laughs> than I did at the <laughs> beginning about what you do, what LDDA does, and ways people can interact with the LDDA and get help. I just love the fact that you guys are a, almost a liaison in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I just... Now I can talk to people when I'm out, and if something comes up now, I can refer them to you guys. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's an excellent point. That we, that's where sometimes I, we're so in the weeds of just doing our day-to-day -day stuff that we forget that you know, it's this alphabet soup of it's you know, City of Lakeland is COL, and then there's the CRA, and then there's the LDDA, and there's LEDC, and you know it's just there's all these organizations and people are like that's just too much to remember and certainly it is i mean we understand who we are because we do it every day so um you know it's helpful to be able to explain it and 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 really just say forget forget all the the letters and who does what i mean we'll we'll if you call me i'll get you to the right person if if i'm not the organization that can help you i'll get you to ledc or the CRA or, you know, the DLP was another one, but that one has since gone away. So there's one less organization to add to the alphabet soup. So, you know, we just, we want to be understood as sort of um, all knowing in downtown in the sense that if we can't provide you that service that you're looking for, we know who can. And we're gonna make sure we get you to that person and we're gonna follow up that you were, that your needs were addressed. And um, so that's customer service, not just to the businesses, but just just the man on the street. You know, as I said, residents, people coming in, uh, asking where to live and, you know, where to shop and where's, you know, good places to eat and who serves vegetarian and, you know, all kinds of things we get questions about. So we try to know, we try to know as much as we possibly can. <laughs> All right. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming in today. We're going to we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, sure. but I hope I hope everybody will check out all three parts of the Downtown Lakeland podcast and I just look forward to hearing more about what the LDDA does. Everyone who's listening, I hope you'll stop by the LDDA office. They're at 117 North Kentucky and see what they've got going on. Pick up some brochures and come down to all the great events. First Fridays, Girls Nights Out. We look forward to seeing you all downtown.